Welcome to Sports, Clicks, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 79, season 3 of Sports Clicks and Politics. Are we doing seasons by calendar year or yeah. from the day we started? Yeah. We just decided? I, I just decided uh, <clears throat> at the end of 2000, I guess it was uh, 20, okay. 2020, uh, there was a function in the storage, kind of in the back end of the podcast, and I had to determine a season, so I just determined it that January X. So you, you made this decision without Executive me, decision, Literally yes. almost years ago. Uh, yeah. All right, fair You're enough. just finding out about it. So here we are, season three. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> I'm good with it. Of sports, clicks, and politics. Uh, a couple weeks off uh, for the show here. Uh, you feel, well, yeah, both of us had a, had a week where it didn't work out for us. So either way, whatever. I think the, the absence makes the heart grow fonder right here I for the agree. audience, you know? I agree. It certainly did for me. I've missed you. I've missed this. I don't know if people have noticed the, uh, um, the, um, I'm going to play around with chat here because uh, I have a uh, a chat feature that is uh, using the, I don't know if you guys saw, we had some technical difficulties in episode, the first episode of season three uh, where I had some, uh, we, had, we had a little bit of late start here because I had some internet issues here. So um, I have the previous show's chat loaded up here, but I'm going to get us this new chat so we can uh, I can see all you guys and get rid of some people here already because we're getting spammed already here in season three already with a bunch of XXX love face like jerk off things on the right on chat can you get a different computer for I'm, what you do in your own time? Like, I'm trying to My I'm God, trying man. to massage this as uh, I think that's as we problem. go along. <laughs> yes, right, right. So, uh, well, I do want to welcome back everybody. Maybe you see I, I have some new graphics up for the show. Have you, what do you think of those? I think it's you a, can't really see on your screen because it's very blurry. I mean, I can still make out what it is. Yeah, it, it looks great. I think it's a much more uh, clean and crisp look. I'm digging it. I'm yeah. into it. You did a great job. Well, truly, I mean, thank you. It's, You're welcome. It's it's all right. It's uh. It, it it serves its purpose. I, I wanted to put the, uh, um, I wanted to have more looking. You can see that I have uh, uh, two windows up on the screen here. So it's one with us, our charming, handsome faces. Here we are. And on the other side, we're going to have whatever we're typically talking about. So if we have an interview, we'll put the interview over there. No interview today. Um, I'll have some articles up there. I'll have some videos up there. Hopefully that all works seamlessly here on the first uh, run with the uh, new, uh, the new, uh, graphics, I guess. So, sure. um, I'm just finishing up this chat thing here. So that's going to help me out a lot. Um, how was your, uh, weekend slash week sends? Week sends have been very good. Okay. Very yeah. Productive. Uh, Christmas was great. Of course, my children are still young. So Christmas is still magical and special. Not as special when your 10 year old daughter comes into your room to let you know that Santa Claus has come. And then I roll over and look at my wife and say, what time is it? She goes, it's like 2.30. Get back in your bed right now. This is too early. I don't care if Santa came. Back in your bed. And you must be VIP getting Santa there that early. I mean, I went to bed at 1, so he had a narrow window where he got in there. And I just, you got to be kidding me. So then, see, this is where my kids are smart. They sent the youngest one in at 5. They sent the baby in, and they sent him in to walk in with his little, you know, he's still not quite a list, but a little off. And he's like, Mommy. Can we go downstairs and open presents now? And I went, no, it's still too early. And my wife went, I'll go down with him. 
I was like, all right, I guess I'm getting up soon because like, she's going to get him breakfast and everything. And then the guilt kicks in as a dad of like, oh, I'm not down there. This, All right, I don't really need sleep. Four hours is plenty. Let's go. So I went down and did that. It was a great time. Went over to Buffalo, saw my in-laws, had a great time there. Drove down to Memphis, Tennessee with four kids and two dogs. Highly recommended. Super fun to do. Um, Memphis, Tennessee or the drive? Uh, Memphis, Tennessee was a little more fun than the drive, okay. admittedly. But we drove down. Um had a great week down there. It's like, there's no mask mandate, so you don't have to do anything. I'd still say you probably got between a third and half the people wearing masks in stores. Like, it's not a huge drop-off from what we've got here. Without, you know, without a mandate, people just want to wear a mask. All right, cool. Go nuts. Um, but stores don't require them. Employees are kind of split. It was a very interesting dichotomy. But it's just nice to not have to worry about it. Like, if you happen to want one, cool. If you don't, life goes on. So that was great, and then we had to sort of alter our plans for the drive back because we had uh, a tornado watch, Ooh. essentially the entire route of our of our drive back. Your storm chasers. So we the had Hugh song storm chasing we had family. Legitimately, it was a tornado <laughs> watch, then a flood watch, and then a cold front coming in. So we left right in between the thunderstorm watch and the cold front to be like, all right, we're just going to leave right thread here. the needle. That's it. So we left at like seven at night and drove straight through the night, got into Buffalo at my in-laws house early the next morning. But we didn't, you know, die or get caught in a tornado. No, you're here. So we're, we're very thankful. Call it a victory. Now, how yeah. about you? How was Christmas for you? Uh, Christmas yeah, and New Year's, I guess. Both, uh, you know, I, I'm a very low-key, uneventful kind of guy, but they were uh, both uh, low-key and uneventful. Just right like kind of right, right out of the way I like it. So um, we didn't have any, uh, you know, we're in the uh, party business uh, where I work. We didn't have any uh, last-minute uh, revelers trying to... Uh, rent out our space here on new year's so oh, that's good um, yeah i mean we got the we got the new year's off it'd been i mean i guess there's two years new year's off in a row for me but i had quite a few new years in a row that were pretty banging so good i can take the uh time off especially since the one where i got the uh where i got the vid that yeah. was on new year's that was it yeah oh shoot so yeah. anyway this year's new year's i didn't get the vid so that's good well, I mean, well, I I, i'm you know improvement yeah we'll get to getting it Getting it twice, maybe it's know. possible. We're, we're gonna we're gonna t- touch on uh, a little bit of Joe Rogan uh, stuff since Peter McCullough and uh, Robert Malone, two people that we've talked about here on the show for a little while, uh, both have been on the show and uh, have been removed from YouTube on that show. And uh, one of them's got removed from Twitter. Uh, I mean, Robert I always Malone, wanted so. to have something in common with Joe Rogan, so yeah. now we finally and we say. and we had so maybe we should make an announcement that we had our first episode <laughs> removed by YouTube. So congratulations to us, I guess, for spreading misinformation, uh, medical misinformation, even specifically. By the way, you guys have to understand this. When they said like we're going to do this, you can file an appeal. Sean filed an appeal, and his entire defense was, "We know more than you." <laughs> <laughs> I knew I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna come back. But they weren't gonna like be like, "Oh, I love that that was what you saw." <laughs> uh, we know more than you do. Yeah, I just said we knew better than their community guidelines. That's amazing. So, um, episode fifty-five is uh, no longer on YouTube. It is still available in the uh, Spotify, Apple Pie, Apple uh, Apple Pie, Apple Podcasts, um, all of the places where you listen to your podcast. You can go listen to episode fifty-five, the now controversial removed banned episode, the first one of Sports Clicks and oh, I think if they found one, they're going to find yeah, more yeah. that they're going to remove. Just, I mean, I did look. Ivermectin was in the title, so not not difficult to find. <laughs> was we have, it we the have, only one? No, no. 
Oh, we got more coming. So, um, so yeah, but back to what you were originally talking about there. For all of the discussion, like every time they say like, oh, it's aerosolized transmission, and we've been saying that for a year, and then they go, I mean, the science changed. Well, we're going to get into all that. I know, but hang the on. The science is all going to The science change. finally actually changed, and they're pretending like it didn't. Now, yeah. that's what's so wonderful about these people. As far as Omicron and the capacity that you may actually be able to get COVID twice now, this is the first time it actually is a real development. And instead of saying like, oh, yeah, the data did change, and now it looks like this, they're over there like taking a victory lap. Ha! Told you. 50,000 cases. I can't stand these people. We're two years into this, and like, there's, there's these people seem like can't get any lower, but here we are every day lower. So, I want to play. So, before we get into the uh, uh, our normal uh, uh, NFL leadoff here, I do want to play something from uh, Awaken with JP, only because he ta- he's taking some shots at New York. So, I feel like it's a little appropriate for us to kind of play this. Have you seen this? No. Okay. Good. So I'm going to play. You guys are, I'm sure, well aware with Awaken with JP. If you're not, you're not one of the 2.16 million subscribers already there. Go, go subscribe on. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm not even subscribed. Look at that. Well, the the, the our, our sh- I'm I'm subscribed, but our show page is not subscribed. Uh, but I'm going to play that for you now. So uh, only because he takes some uh, nice shots at uh, New York. Please turn in your neighbor by orders of the governor. It's the right thing to do. Hey there, sports fans. If you like authoritarianism, tyrannical laws, and you were a fan of what the Nazis were doing, then you'll love a new law that's being proposed in New York. Mm. If you thought California was leading the way in destroying democracy, New York has stepped in and said, hold my beer. Because on January 5th, the New York Senate is voting on Assembly Bill A416. And if passed, it would give the governor the right to imprison anyone that the governor deems a significant risk to public health. Imprison them without trial on an indefinite basis. Yes! I wonder who would be deemed a public health threat. If you haven't been compliant, we will find you and imprison you for your protection. Oh, and for specificity, they don't actually have to be a public health threat. They just have to be deemed a public health threat. Legalese that makes the whole extermination portion of the agenda a little easier, if you know what I mean. Not only that, but the law allows the governor to hold said persons in a medical facility or any other facility that they deem appropriate. Any other facility? That rhymes with concentration camps and gulags, doesn't it? <laughs> Last. All right. All right. I'm not going to play the whole thing. It's like seven, eight minutes long. But, oh, God. Um, and that bill, I don't know, just for reference, that bill was pulled from the assembly floor because it got so much attention. Like people were making, obviously, making videos about our concentration camp. Uh, now, I don't know if you know the history of that. That bill was actually uh, introduced during an Ebola breakout. So a, a few years ago, actually. Sure. And it just been stayed on the books, right? So nobody... Listen, it was never really ever going to get passed. Right. So, but people made way more out of it than they did. So they finally just pulled it because I don't even think it had a co-sponsor. So it was never going to get to the floor. It was never going to pass. But still, somebody had the good for a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell are we doing here in New York? I've been hashtagging Escape from New York for a while here. All right, let's uh, let's uh, transition to a little NFL playoff talk. Heck yeah. Um. Of course, my graphic doesn't work right out of the way, but your Bills hey, clinched hey. a uh, clinched a spot there, yeah? Sure did. And uh, 
Uh, the Steelers somehow are still alive with their game tonight. <laughs> not, I think they're, yeah, they're still alive. They need to win tonight. They need the and then beat the Ravens next week. Okay, and then they need to have the Raiders and the Chargers both lose next week. I don't know who the Aren't Chargers they playing are playing each other. No, but the Raiders <laughs> are playing the Jaguars, so it's pretty much over for the Steelers unless Trevor Lawrence finally. I mean, they did beat the Bills. I, I, I mean, they got two wins, so they right. just, they. they they're playing for the the uh, first pick in the draft too, so I'm not sure how that. Uh, uh, I would tell them to sit the starters, but I'm not sure it would help. Yeah, I, 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 there's a t- obviously the Lions have the tie from the Steelers, so I'm not sure exactly how that um, plays into the um, into the tiebreaker, I guess. Yeah. But the um, oh man, my graphics are really wacky today. Oh, there you go. We're a little um, rusty. We're sorry, yeah. Well, it's brand new, so uh, bear with me. Uh, the video folks, the, the people on the audio, really think I'm crazy. So they're um, not wrong. Yeah, um, but yeah, the Steelers that they can still get in with some miracle uh, of luck. But let's talk about the Bills since uh, was this uh, third year in a row in the playoffs? I believe it is. Uh, yes. Uh, you haven't clinched the division yet, have you? Or no? No. No, both New tied. You and New England are still both. Tie. We've got the tiebreaker over New England. So if you win, you're the you're. Uh, the uh, you're in. If we could beat the Jets, I should stop saying we. I'm not on the team. Yeah, if they I'm could beat the Jets, team. if they could beat the Jets, yeah. they get in. They get to win the division, and uh, or if New England loses, either way, okay, that yeah. means the Bills win the division. I believe. Um, and I, listen, it was a fun game. Josh Allen did not throw the ball particularly well at all, but the Bills found a running game. They realized that Devin Singletary, you know, he's halfway decent when you actually give him the ball on occasion. Yeah, he was on my fantasy team this week. I Mine, too. It was a smart play, and I laughed about it when I put him the in. Rest, the rest of my team stunk, but my two running backs were good. Hey, as long as Devin Singletary's there to carry your team, yeah. what else do you need? Yeah. No, they actually did. They ran the ball. Josh Allen had two rushing touchdowns. Devin Singletary, two rushing touchdowns. Josh Allen was bad at passing the ball. It was sub-50% completion. It was ugly, but they found a way, and they got it done. Matt Ryan got the dumbest and funniest taunting penalty I have ever seen in my entire life. And then it, it turned out he didn't even score a touchdown. I didn't know this was real. So if you dive head first, you have given yourself up. So nobody needs to touch you if you're down. So he dove, but he put his knee down before he got to the goal line on a head first dive. Got up. Clearly, like, was going after, like, threw the ball down in Jordan Poyer's face and said something to him. So the ref flagged him for taunting. And then on review, he was short, and they still had to move back 15 yards. So after the game, Jordan Poyer put something out on Instagram that was like a picture of Matthew Staff- or Matt, Matt Ryan yelling at him with the caption. Pretty sure he was just wishing me Happy New Year. Like, oh, that's a good dude. Yeah. I mean, probably not as uh, dumb as, like, Gus Ferrat move, but I remember Gus Ferrat when he headbutted the wall. Oh, God. No. I mean, at least Matt Ryan didn't end up on IR and out of the league within – there's still never been a better IR than the kicker in Arizona in the like second quarter of the first game of the season. It was Grammatica kicked a field goal from like 38 yards to go up three nothing and tore his ACL celebrating. It's my favorite injury ever. So I, we we have one more week. This is the the, the crazy week uh, you had mentioned. Uh, I don't know, ten weeks ago, how we're going to have this extra week in the NFL. So no more uh, uh, even. Uh, you're all going to have at least. They're, I don't feel like there's going to be less. There, no, there's going to be no 8-8 eight eight teams, right? So there's, they're going to be... Could be an 8-8-1 eight eight team. That's true. So <laughs> it's going to take harder... It's going to take... You're going to have, a, a, I feel like, a clear delineation of the teams 
who are like, there's not going to be uh Oh, the, the guy only got in because of the third tie break. Kind right, of right. Thing. I feel like most teams are going to actually earn their way in because of that extra game. But I agree. Um, I don't know. I still think the Packers. Packers are legit, but I mean, they're going to get to the NFC championship game and then probably lose to the Cardinals. It's what yeah. they do. Yeah. Pattern is know. clear. I'm still not the, the Cardinals. I, they were there for a while and now I don't know. I'm not, I still think the Rams are. I think the Rams. They, are, the Rams can can beat anybody. So can the Buccaneers. Uh, I yeah. mean, the NFC is just yeah, they're loaded, stacked. Yeah. Whereas the AFC is good. Yeah, it's the Chiefs. But it's the uh, listen. It's the Chiefs. I'm not ruling out the Titans. They keep finding ways to win uh, games. I mean, come on. Uh, the Bills, same thing. Of I, I don't know. The, uh, the, Bills, the Bills are second for sure. The Bills largely depend what about on the Bengals playing hot. I mean, you get hot at the right time. They may have peaked too early. They peaked. In they're, high they're, school. they're peaking right now. I know pre playoffs. Well. Let's you don't see. want to pick too early. Let's see. Get I know them. we'll find out what happens. Yeah, but they're they're fun to watch, for sure. Luckily, the Steelers are going to be in uh, rebuild mode while the uh, Burrow Lamar Jackson wave takes over, and the Steelers can just recycle. By the time those guys are on the down, the Steelers will be have their uh, next quarterback. As someone that lived through that, just try to do it in less than seventeen years. It gets a little little frustrating. I understand that. I guess I'll just take the Steelers track record with never. Never that happening. That. Yeah, yeah, I was so. trying to explain. I mean, my even children. if it's a year or two off of the playoffs, I mean, I get it. Like, I'm like, okay, they made. Oh, I have so much sympathy for you. Yeah, I was trying to explain to my Hell kids what it was like to be a Bills fan between 2000 and 2017. Did you Did you give them the acronym or the? Is that what? It's no, called? that was early 90s. That was the boy I love losing Super Bowls. Yeah. They never even made the playoffs <laughs> for those 17 years. Like, come on, Super Bowls. I but. told you. I don't know if I told you. I lived in Buffalo during the, whichever Bills Cowboys Super Bowl, the one where Thurman Thomas lost his helmet. So whatever year that was, I was living in Buffalo. I was working in Buffalo. That, that was ninety two. Yeah, I went to a game that year. That's right. It's a great time. It's a great place. Now that it's all like crazy with they rules. beat the Raiders in a freezing, freezing yeah. game that that year. All right. Thing. I don't care if the Bills have a home playoff game because statistically, it doesn't has not been shown, especially this year, to be a statistical advantage to be playing at home or away. That's what's been ruled out, and I ain't going to the game anyway. <laughs> so if they play at home, if they play on the road, I'm good. I'm happy they're in the playoffs. I can't yeah, wait to no. watch them, and I like their I like their odds in the it's playoffs. It's been shown. If you, you just like I said, if you play good, you can win in the playoffs. I and mean, it's great to have the week off. That's probably the best bonus of all the stuff. But I mean, the home game. I think you're right. And honestly, not much. The way this team plays, passing the ball 50 times a game and running it eight, they're better off in a dome. Yeah. Let them go on a road, play in a dome. Tampa. They'll do better. Not I can't deal with 40 mile an hour wins again. That's how they I just want to see at least Bills Brady one more time. I would get, love to see the Bills and the Buc. I said this last year. I would love to see the Bills and the Buccaneers in a Super Bowl together. I think it would like the poetic justice. NFL, you know you rig games. Come on, set it up. Let's make it happen. You know you'd love it. Yeah, it would be good. Uh, Tell the refs. Other NFL news uh, that we can touch on. John Madden died. Ah, oh, it's sad. Yeah. So did uh, Dan Reeves, and he got very overshadowed by John Madden. On the same day? No, two days later. He died, I think, on New Year's Day. Dan Reeves. John Madden, 85. Good Probably run. Best, best known for his video game but i mean great nfl coach don't get me wrong won the super bowl and all but like literally was an icon because of his video game it was an icon because he, here's the thing he would have been well remembered just as an announcer because sure. he was so insane as an announcer was, like you couldn't understand anything yeah. he was talking about he's drawn all over the thing with the coach's clicker and by the time you look at it when you're done you're just staring at the screen like what and like incoherent he babble was, coming out, but he but he was a brilliant football mind. Yeah. He just couldn't express it. It was the funniest thing in the world to listen to. Yeah, I, like I said, I was a kid when he was in his heyday, so that kind of worked out. Also, underrated as an actor, if you haven't seen The Replacements, he stole the movie. <laughs> I have seen it, but I don't remember his movie, so it must, must not have been that good. Other NFL news, 
Did you see that Aaron Rodgers, uh, basically on the Pat McAfee show, you know, he's the weekly guest there on the uh, former uh, kicker for, or punter for the uh, Colts, um, who's a character all unto himself, but he has Aaron Rodgers on there on a pretty regular basis, I think weekly, and he was talking about how he is 100% sure that NFL teams are um, giving his treatment protocol to the players. Of course they are. Why wouldn't you? It worked. Right, and... We, we heard this for Congress, too, right? So, like, I think Thomas Massey basically insinuated that. No, bunch- it wasn't Massey. It was Pierre Corey. Pierre Corey came out and said oh, yeah, okay. I, uh, at least 145 members of Congress and their staff have been treated with this protocol, and they're just not saying anything yeah, about so, it. So, it's, it's weird that that is happening. Congress is using this treatment. The NFL is using this treatment. And you can't even talk. We get an episode removed about the treatment from YouTube. Again, even if you're not a fan, okay, fine, don't take it. But there is some some evidence that ivermectin is part of an o- overall treatment plan to include hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and zinc, azithromycin, and a couple other things. I'm not a doctor, so yeah. Jesus, bear with me. Take all those things. But here's the thing. It's so dangerous, so dangerous, yet nobody's died from the treatment. Like, the vaccine has caused somewhere between... I, sh- I, I think I sent you an article where somebody tried to overdose on ivermectin. No. Yeah, they, I mean, like, she didn't. Oh, when he took the actual horse paste. No, this was oh, somebody, this was somebody from Africa. Oh, okay, no. This was somebody, literally somebody in Africa who just tried to OD tried, and literally could not. So, awesome. Yeah, So here's the thing. It, like, you have this treatment protocol that has at least some evidence for effectiveness, some evidence for efficacy. I would say very strong evidence that it does at least help. It's not a silver bullet. It's not solving all the problems. But the mix of monoclonal antibodies and the early treatment protocol with vitamin D, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, etc., is having success in places. So even if it's not working, there's no risk. Nobody's dying because they took the, like, nobody's dying of a vitamin D overdose. Sorry, it's just not happening. So it's incredibly safe. The question is efficacy, not safety. There's no question about the safety of this. There's only questions about efficacy. So instead, you're pushing the vaccine on 12 to 15-year-old kids and now 5-year-olds, despite absolutely no risk of hospitalization or death to a healthy child that age, which is bananas. But the vaccine has shown to have adverse effects. It is causing myocarditis. It is causing pericarditis. It is causing high blood pressure, restless leg syndrome, stroke, blood clots. It's causing death. There's no question. I mean, Pfizer's own numbers, which you know we're not all on the up and up and we're suppressed, there was 1,200 deaths linked to their vaccine January, February, and March. Out of, I mean, it was a lot of doses. Please don't get me wrong. It's not like it was 1,200 out of 15, but that's, there's no question that it's causing deaths. And yet, all we get from our public health officials is safe and effective, safe and effective, tested to the extreme, handed out billions of doses. So obviously, there's no safety concerns. Anything resembling a trial with more than eight months worth of data? Well, no, because we ruined the trials by vaccinating the control group, so we actually have no basis for comparison any longer beyond about five months. Hey, when does the vaccine just drop off a cliff in efficacy again? Uh, somewhere around five months. Oh, what, what a coincidence. That's so weird. I can't stand these idiots any longer. I'm just done. So have you seen that uh, we talked about the NFL, but also they have changed their... Uh no, everybody's changing all the rules now. All of a sudden, Mister Hughesong. Weird. Yeah, and because so, the science changed. Sean. Yeah, the science. The science changed. I sent you this though. The uh, the NFL is now allowing players 
who test positive, but their cycle thresholds over 35, 35 that they can still play because they're like, oh, well, that, that you're not sick. You know, maybe Duh. they caught one of those early episodes <laughs> of our show. They've been binging scap. Apparently. Because yeah. we've been talking about that since we but started how, doing testing. I, and I, I posted about this, but how, how would, the, if you're, if you're a, I can't believe all 32 NFL team doctors were like all on board with everything, right? Somebody, one of them must have been like, this is stupid. What, somewhere, I, you would think. I, I'm Maybe I'm being naive, but I would think at least one of those doctors, if not many of those doctors, would have been like, hey, yeah, we're, we're testing these people with PCR, but if they're testing over 35, they're not sick. Like, these people should be able to be able to play. And so you would think enough of that voice would have been able to be loud enough to have the amount of money being at stake through the NFL that they would have been like, these PCR tests are not being used properly, and we're going to, you know, and literally they could have forced it on everybody. Because if it would have been such the public, the public would have seen it happen in real life, and they didn't realize it, and then people would have been like, wait, well, if I'm 35, why am I quarantined? The problem is they don't even give us cycle thresholds. When you go get no, a PCR sure. test, you don't get a cycle threshold, and, re- and we've said this number before, I apologize for repeating myself, but if you test positive over 35 cycles, 98.5% chance that that is a false positive, that you have absolutely no live virus in you, and it's right. 90 Let's just round up 99% above 35 and the NBA and the NFL two of the most well-funded organizations and entities in the world have gone for a year of not differentiating two seasons. The NBA basically lost almost two full seasons. Now it got well, so bad. I mean, they let Kyrie know. Irving come back Wednesday. That's amazing that it got that. He bad. won, but here's the reality. Of course he won. Cause he was right. So as a bit, I guess here's the thing. The NFL is what is the first entity that came out and was like, Hey, we're not going to do asymptomatic stuff anymore because it's not asymptomatic spread. Now, they have to tread lightly because as soon as they say anything that goes against this fear and hysteria, if you try to do any reason approach to say, hey, it's actually not the bubonic plague, people lose their minds. It's fascinating to watch how invested people are in this being the most serious threat that has ever faced our country since Nazism. Yeah, I mean, listen, that you know, the, they, they work on clicks and fucking this thing gets clicks. Finally, whatever, they so. did something, though. And now they're pointing it out. And everybody keeps saying, like, well, it's just because they have new data now. Like, no, they don't. No. Then, then you and I are omnipotent. Like, yeah, how well, did we ever become this well, brilliant? If you, if you remember that, the, it actually, the way it read, and I got this from uh, Wojciechowski there. So, you know, NBA guru, uh, kind of like the Schefter of the NBA, if you will. So he actually put in his tweet. Something to the effect of the NBA had new data they gave to the CDC. Like, what did the NBA come up with that the CDC didn't know about? They're like, oh, well, hey, we found this over here and watched our teams and our players. This this is happening, so we're, we're going to do it this way. Next, you're going to tell me that professional athletes face a lower risk than the general population of COVID. Please. Whatever, Ben. So anyway, so, so the NFL is uh, is also adopting changes. The NBA is adopting changes. Yeah, and the NBA is changing their like so some of this can't had to do with even at the at the at the national level outside of sports, but this isolation period uh, went from 10 days to 5 days and you know, some of the the workers do it. The workers groups, well in New York they they're not doing it. No, the CDC is thinking of backtracking it. They are oh. like Anthony Fauci and Dr. Walensky are mulling oh. over the decision to reverse that because of the backlash, this is what I mean. So I've been told all along, trust the CDC, trust FDA, whatever. First off, it's terrible advice if you look at the historical accuracy of these entities, but fine. Now the CDC comes out and says, you know what? Based on our most current data, based on Omicron, whatever, 
We think actually that you're perfectly safe to isolate only for five days without symptoms if you have a positive test or an exposure. And as long as you don't get symptoms, you're, the, the data indicates you're safe to go. And people went so crazy talking about how dangerous this was that they're going to reverse it. Like, pause for a minute. I'm supposed to trust this authority. This authority comes out and says X, and it goes against the narrative they have been laying out for two years that some of us have been going, this doesn't make any sense. They just are going to the extreme. This is nuts. And then they come back a little bit, and the people on the other side of this particular debate went so crazy, the authority might actually rescind it just based on backlash, not based on data, not based on it. The data said that they should allow five, but the backlash is so strong that they're going to cave and reverse. Well, as I said, so so the the pro-worker folks are basically claiming that the corporations pressured the CDC, like Delta came out, you know, Delta Airlines came out and basically said, you know, we should reduce this isolation from 10 to five days because we're we can't staff things. We're going to get into that in a little bit. So I think some of this, they're getting backlash from both sides, right? They shouldn't be involved. I mean, the backlash is deserving because they're, they've stuck their nose into things that they shouldn't be sticking their nose into, and here we are. But it's anything but scientific. It's amazing. It's utterly... Listen, I can't wrap my brain around how it is sports leagues that have to lead this change of... What is it going to take for people to start asking questions? What will it take for you to start having some skepticism and some doubt that these people don't have your interest or public health as their first priority, that they are corrupted, that they are co-opted, that these guys are bought and paid for and generally incompetent on top of it? So, yeah, no, it's pretty bad. Like, truly, it's ugly. So what do you want to do about this? Do you want to keep blindly listening to everything they're saying? Or do you want to actually like believe what you're seeing, which is, hey, how many NBA players, how many NFL players, even amongst these you know, dirty, unvaccinated, how many of them have gotten symptomatic COVID, been hospitalized, and or died of COVID? Have you heard of any? Because I just have this sneaking suspicion that if an NFL player died of COVID, we'd hear about it. Yeah. No, for sure. Particularly if they were unvaccinated. Yeah. Cole Beasley. If Cole Beasley died, oh my God, it would cover <laughs> the news cycle 24 hours a day. Uh, but people, like there was a there was a basketball player for the, uh, the Hawks who had, who got unbelievably sick from the vaccine. Shut up and don't talk about it. We can't have you in like encouraging vaccine hesitancy. That's not science. I'm sorry, but science is give me the good, give me the bad, give me the ugly, and let's make informed decisions. You have started with a conclusion, and now you want to look at the data to support the conclusion. We're going to touch more on the uh, changing narrative, but I found it interesting that sports is at least trying to be the the tip of the spear anyway. No, they're not trying to be the the tip of the spear. It's costing them too much money, and it's ruining their product, so now they're trying to find justification to go around it. Let's not pretend like these people are in any way noble they're not. They're out for money. And you know what? Fine. Good for them. At least there's some pragmatic approach in what they're doing. There's some level of common sense to, you know, we keep benching people and suspending people and sitting people for being positive PCR tests when 99% of them are false positives based on the level we're testing. Maybe we should, I don't know, at least adjust that. And if you'll recall, the people that have been listening to the show for a while, all we have ever asked for is disclose the PCR threshold level. That's it. 
We're not telling you not to count it. We're not telling you what to do. Just disclose. Let people know what their cycle threshold was. If somebody tests positive at 23, it's a very different public health concern than somebody testing positive at 39 cycles. The difference between 30 and 40 cycles is a thousand times magnitude. Like, it's not a small difference. It's huge, hugely different. And all we're asking for is just give people the information. You have it right there. It comes up when you test. It would literally take an extra three seconds to input cycle threshold in the column. Yeah. Like, and like I said, we, we can, we'll touch on more of this PCR stuff uh, in, the, in the later thing. Let's switch gears to uh, disturbing uh, stories out of CNN. I mean, Ghislaine Maxwell is probably, probably laughing, work, working to get a job at CNN. I mean, when she gets the, out. Uh, so a second producer, this one from the Jake Tapper uh, program, uh, Rick Salaby, uh, who has resigned, was basically recorded making, I'll just call them inappropriate uh, suggestions to a mother about her daughter. Her daughter is 15. Made a bunch of comments uh, that were can't be repeated uh, on this microphone, Uh but he is no longer with CNN, and he is the second producer who has gone down this uh, path of uh, some kind of uh, inappropriate contact with minors. Uh, if you remember the Chris Cuomo producer, something Griffin, I can't remember his name now, um, also has uh, been accused of inappropriate conduct. What the hell's happening at CNN, Mr. Husung? Uh, we know they're not reporting the news. What the hell is going on over at CNN? I got nothing. I mean, this is I, crazy town. Yeah, this is wild that it's happening that prominently, and it's just gross. I never realized like how, on the heels of the Maxwell stuff, right? I mean, this yeah. is like just on top of that. I I don't think I ever grasped, you know, prior to five years ago. Let's go. Let's say that I have never grasped the extent to which pedophilia was this prevalent. It just never crossed my mind that there could be this many now people. Now we're banned, Ben. You just said the word. My bad. I, like, I can't fathom that there's this many people walking around that just want to go and, like, I don't have a better way of saying this. Sorry. They just want to go around and diddle kids. Like, I, what? How is there this many people? How is it this prevalent that we're hearing? You could probably run it once a week and have all kinds of names come out just as a common person. Like, how? I, I, I'm blown away that it could be this big of a problem. I, I and literally, these, these are just what we know about, right? So, like, I mean, I'm assuming worse. there's people out there doing stuff that haven't been caught yet and are doing stuff until they do get caught because they don't stop. Remember uh, when this was just a problem for the Catholic Church? We thought it was contained. Yeah. Man, yeah. those were simpler times. I'm just, listen, for all the Catholics, I'm Catholic too. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Don't, yeah, but don't I mean, ban me for that. It hits them. There's also truth to it. Like, let's right. face up to what the Catholic Church did for 30 years, all right? Like, oh, you got caught touching a kid at this church. We're going to send you to that church and send you to training. This is like pray away the gay stuff. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. What are you doing? At some point, wrong is wrong. And this is wrong. And this this guy, listen, I listen to some of the audio clips, and it's... It's gross. Yeah, it's just yeah, awful. Gross. It's just, it's so wrong. Like, I, I don't grasp it. And I, you know, if you got a problem, go get help. I don't know what to tell you. You want to tell some me people this? don't even think it's a problem. There's actually people out there minor attracted people, right? I mean that they literally try to justify it through words somehow, like they can just like sugarcoat it. <laughs> like no, uh, it doesn't work that way. There's like there's cultures around the world where it's normal and accepted. Thank God we're not one of them, and let's not move in the direction that makes it more normal. 
Yeah. Like the devastating effects this has on children are well documented. I don't give it. Oh God, I don't care about your predilection or your preference or your particular kink. It's not about you. Yeah. It's about protecting the kid. So if you are into that, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to get over it. And if you can't, you need to be kept the hell away from children. Like, this isn't complicated. This isn't a, well, I could see both sides of the issue. No. Keep them away from kids. Yeah. God. Well, hopefully there's, hopefully we can, uh, you know, not have to report on too many more of these kind of nonsense things. But well, I'm hoping here, here Maxwell just goes berserk upon sentencing and it's like I, I'm, yeah. I'm naming everybody i'm not expecting that come but. here miss comey we'll tell you every name and then obviously yeah. she would fully disclose them yeah not nah, just go give them to her and father so, and, cover them and let's talk about um I, I sent you this the other day and asked you if you thought that these uh thousands and thousands of flights um were part of a uh orchestrated protest uh from the employees now we've been getting the uh the Excuse right now has been that Omicron, the spreading of the virus itself, is basically putting uh, workers, employees out of work and therefore having to isolate and, and, and all this and basically causing problem for these airlines having enough staff to fly flights. But there's been like, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of flights over the last three or four days um, canceled. Um, we've, we've had some, uh, even anecdotal experience of people having their flights canceled for things that we had, we had to work around. So, um, you said it wasn't orchestrated. You thought it was probably just the, the virus. Um, it's clearly the virus one way, whether or not it's actually the virus or the people, it's clearly causing havoc among the flights. I don't think it's just the virus either. I think that in response to what the airlines have done, a lot of people have quit. And now airlines have a very, very, I don't want to call it like devastating, but it's certainly significant labor shortage. They have, they have a shortage of employees. And then you factor on top of that, yes, yeah, some people are absolutely just protesting. And anytime they have a contact that they can call as a close contact, they take advantage of the system and they take days off. And you have other people that are just sticking it to it, Southwest, Delta, and all these other companies by taking these days off right at the holidays at the busiest travel season. So I'm sure that's a factor. And the last thing is Omicron does spread very fast and CDC rules are CDC rules. And right now you got to, you got to quarantine 10 days. So if you get caught by a contact tracer, or if you have a positive PCR test, regardless of whether it's 20 cycles or 39, you're quarantined for 10 days and you can't work. It's not a choice. They're not letting you come in even though you probably don't have the virus if it was at 39 cycles and you're not sick and you're not symptomatic, you still have to quarantine for 10 full days. So you figure, even if it's not, and we know for a fact it's not airplanes where they're getting it. Like airplanes, the filtration systems on them are the, was some of the best filtration systems in the world. I was reading something the other day that said 76% of the air is cycled out every minute or two. Like, it's just not hanging in the air. The, the aerosolized transmission is very, very difficult in airplane settings, and droplet transmission, as much as people want it to be the prevalent thing, is not. Yeah, because, I mean, listen, if I, just to your point right there, and, and I'll let you finish, the, like, I don't think masks work, so if masks work, even though they're on the planes, like, we would have breakouts in the planes. There's been no Correct. breakouts. There's no breakouts on the planes. There would absolutely, if droplet transmission was prevalent, we would have a huge problem on airplanes yeah. because I know they're mandating masks, but all you have to do is buy a coffee, and you can sit with the thing under your chin for an hour as you sip your coffee. I know from experience, because I did it. And it would be obviously spreading because you're still talking, you're still coughing, you're still breathing. And if it was droplet transmission, was any level of prevalence, it would be you'd see it on an airplane. But you could tell almost certainly that it's not because the filtration systems on airplanes have led to, I think, 
almost zero cases where it was transmitted on an airplane. Unless you were in Congress. (laughs) On a private jet, which is different. (laughs) But you're still susceptible because you are at an airport for a lot of your job. You're sitting down and eating in restaurants. You're around people that... Well, now you're in buildings that don't have the filtration that you have on the airplane, and you're coming across people from all over the world. So, of course, you're going to have higher incidents, especially something like Omicron variant, which seems to spread so easily. And don't forget, Delta spread pretty easily, too, compared to the original Alpha strain. So as the spread gets easier, these people are going to get exposed. And when they get exposed, they've got to go get tested. And on airlines, I think they have mandatory testing for their employees almost weekly, which if you give somebody a a PCR test every week, up to 40 cycles, eventually they're going to test positive. It's just a matter of when, because they're going to be exposed to the virus at some point. Like It's just an inevitability. So now they come back, they test positive, and now they're out 10 days. So I think it's a multitude of factors, but I think the airlines are in trouble. They're raising wages. They're offering more money. I was uh, somebody, I don't remember who this was. I heard this on the radio, so I, I, I was tuning in and out of stuff. Normally, when Southwest Airlines lists a position, they can expect to get something like 100 to 150 applicants. When they're posting jobs now, they're lucky if they get 10. Like, they've lost the workers. And the problem is, you think about what a pain it is to work for an airline normally. And now you've got to follow all these absurd rules. They threaten to fire you if you didn't get vaccinated. Like, there's no reason that you have to be there. So they had to literally, I think it was Southwest, had to have people out of their corporate office fly around the country and work in airports because they were so short-staffed. All right? So I think it's a multitude of factors why they're canceling flights. And listen, if it was a protest, I would feel more comfortable about air travel in the future because once the strike's over, it's over. I don't feel that way about this. I think this is a long, ongoing problem, and this is why the airlines and these greedy corporations are petitioning or asking CDC to stop, to shorten the isolation period because on top of a labor shortage, now you got to send at any given time, 10 to 15% of your already understaffed workers out on quarantine, which leads to higher rates of burnout for the ones that are still there, not worth the money, and now you're offering more money to new people to come in. You either have to raise wages for the existing or they're going to leave. So, I I mean, I think it's a compound problem with a lot of different factors that go into it that ultimately lead to me to the conclusion of airlines are in trouble. And a lot of us don't want to fly because it's just a pain now. Yeah, it's definitely a pain. I'll fly if I have to, but, I mean, listen, I drove to Memphis. Yeah, like I'm driving to Florida. I don't so. mind the drive. It's not bad. It's, other people aren't in that position. That's fine. I, and I have flown in this. It's not like I'm boycotting. It's just, you know, if given the opportunity and it's not that far, I'd rather drive. It's just easier. So, I don't know. I, I think that it's only going to get more expensive. because, And this is where everybody wants to talk about greedy corporations. Yeah, it's a greedy corporation until your plane ticket costs $800 instead of 5 because all their costs went up and they can't find people to work, so they got to pay them twice as much. Then all of a sudden you're over there like, yeah, the corporations are still just greedy. Maybe. Or maybe the fact that an airline makes $10 million in profits isn't necessarily make it an evil corporation. It means they're running a profitable business that has 10 million different components, most of which are profitable. And that's okay. Good for them. They're not price gouging. They offer a service. You're free to use it or not use it. All right. Let's uh, let's bring up our boy, Phil Magnus. Would you, would he, would Phil you think, Magnus having a good couple of weeks. Yeah, he's. Uh, I told him I would have voted for him for Person of the Year over uh, Elon Musk. I wouldn't have. I love Elon Musk. <laughs> so, uh, you guys probably remember Phil Magnus from uh, a couple interviews we did with him in uh, in uh, yeah. We're having video issues, so. Just listen to the audio. We're not that good looking anyway. Um, 
And it's just our video, so that the actual uh, article that I'm uh, reading from, you guys can just read along with. So, um, so this came out just recently here, December 19th. Uh, so apparently Mr. Magnus did a freedom of information request for some Fauci emails in reference to the Great Barrington Declaration. So we had Mr. Magnus on shortly after the Great Barrington Declaration was uh, created, I guess. I think we uh, had him on before, too, because he came on to talk about no, the it, economic impact of lockdowns. Came, yeah, but that, he, that came, right he, came, he came on like literally a week after oh, okay. the after the, the GBD was signed or whatever. And then he came back later and we talked about lockdowns. Got but it, yeah, it, he's it, been, been on our show twice. Um, and so... Mr. Magnus ended up all over the place. Uh, I saw him on Fox News, uh, not him himself, but like his email, uh, you know, screen cap yeah. of basically his of of Tony Fauci and Francis Collins, the head of the NIH and NAIAD, um, both orchestrating a what they called orchestrated takedown of the Great Barrington Declaration. So they didn't want that thing to get traction. They did not want to have a debate. They did not want to discuss what their uh, uh, their their thoughts were they wanted to take it down because it interfered with their goal of uh, vaccination. So um, I, I don't know. Um, and so I, I'm trying to cipher through some technical issues, but I, our, our sound is coming so through. Imagine, okay imagine yeah. this, like you're, you're these epidemiologists from Oxford, Stanford and Harvard University. Now, it's fairly prestigious. I think we can all agree to that. Like, if you've got into a public health, fully tenured professor role there, you have at least some credentials. Doesn't mean you're right about everything, but I would hard. I would. I would think that, especially according to the legacy media, the government, they would view those as mainstream institutions. Is that a fair assessment? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the you work at these respective universities. You come together and you take a look at epidemiology, your area of expertise, and say, "Hey, what the government's doing doesn't make a lot of sense, and it would probably be better because there's high costs associated with this. If they went this route." This would make more sense, is more grounded in historical context, is more grounded in the basic fundamentals of epidemiology and would likely lead to the same or better results at less cost. And then you go out and you say, hey, to all you doctors, PhDs, MDs, DOs, if you are if you're on board, read this over and let us know what you think. And if you'd like to sign it, you can sign it. And how many signatures they get on this great Barrington Declaration? I mean, tens of thousands of uh, medical doctors. And then on top of that, it like went to the general citizens, public and yeah, a lot yeah, of people said, yeah. right. And so for your trouble of going out and doing this research, the head of the NIH and his underling decide to make a coordinated takedown. What was it? What was the actual yeah, takedown? Yeah. Takedown. And call you f- public takedown publicly. Yeah, they like they discussed it and said there, we need to have a total, complete takedown of this before it catches traction. All right, that's not weird for science. Obviously, that's what you want scientists to do. Is like, hey, we don't need to like read through this and debate it. Let's just take it down. I'm always pro censorship because that's the side of freedom. Anyways, especially from the government. So you do that, and for all your troubles as professors at Oxford, Harvard and Stanford University, you get to listen to the head of NIH go on national television and call you fringe 
epidemiologists. Since, since I have it pulled up here, let me read the, uh, the actual email. So this is from Francis Collins, the head of the NIH, to Tony Fauci and Cliff Lane, who uh, also works at the NIH. I think, I think that's actually uh, Tony's second in command uh, for some reason. Um, <clears throat> again, this is from Dr. Collins. Hi, Tony and Cliff. C, and he links the greatbarringtondeclaration.org uh, uh, link in there, so they got a couple clicks out of this. Uh, this proposal from the three fringe epidemiologists who met, with the secre- who met with the secretary seems to be getting a lot of attention, and even a co-signer, a uh, co-signature from Nobel Prize winner Michael Levitt at Stanford. There needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises. I don't see anything uh, like that online yet. Is it underway? Francis. So this is... Francis Collins basically telling uh, his boys, Tony and Cliff at the NAID, that there needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown uh, of its premises. So basically get out the word to all your media minions and uh, attack this Great Barrington Declaration. And again, they're fringe epidemiologists, as you point out, were from Oxford, Harvard, and Stanford. Like 20 years of experience for each of them, too. It's amazing. How does that not give you pause? How how are you not? How do you still have faith in these people at this point? Hey, remember when Anthony Fauci funded torturing beagles? Anything ever come from that? Do we ever? Do we ever? Like no, we didn't look at it. All right, cool. Or when he was running HIV tests on orphans in New York City or funding it? I'm sorry, not doing it because that's way better. Is just providing the money so other people can torture dogs. Yeah, that makes you benevolent. And so, I mean. There is some thought, you know, I've even Fauci has said that there are not going to be lockdowns this time around. You know, I'm not sure he's holding to that at this point here. But I think, you know, from some of the stuff that uh, Mr. Magnus here has uh, uh, shed some light on, that there was kind of an agenda here. It seemed like uh, coordinated at at some levels here. Um, But it seemed like that was that way from the whole time. And that's how this narrative got created, right? So, and now we're talking about this narrative of, basically in free fall i've been saying um if you guys have seen some of the uh um i don't know headlines i guess if uh they have come out over the last what i don't know week week and a half um and they're not just about uh what we were talking about they're they're you know, they're talking about masks, whether or not they work and don't work. You know, uh, we had uh, Dr. Gottlieb came out today, basically said the same thing. No, he didn't basically say, he did say. Yeah. And so, and that was on top of uh, Lauren Chen there from, uh, she's from the CDC, I think. Uh, Or no, she's like the health reporter at CNN. I don't know what she does, but she's probably some CCP agent. But anyway, she's on on CNN telling us that the cloth mask, nothing but a facial decoration. Um, We mentioned the NFL and the PCR test, but you also had uh, Rochelle Walensky come out and basically say, yeah, well, you know, these positive tests are, uh, you know, these PCR, they can be positive up to up to 12 weeks. Like, no, no shit, Sherlock. That's like, we've been talking about 75 to 90 days, literally for a year and a half. Uh, we had Kevin McKernan on who talked about that exact thing. PCR, it's going to stay in your system. It doesn't mean you're infectious. It means that you have had the virus in your system at some point, and you can test positive up to 75. And as the CDC points out, 12 weeks you can be positive. And that's the masks. The um, um, And we haven't mentioned that, we, you mentioned the aerosol droplets. Basically, you know, Gottlieb basically says it's an aerosol transmit. Let me give you the exact quote. Okay, yeah. Because it's wonderful. Now, this is January 2nd, 2021. This is an airborne illness. We now understand that. 
and a cloth mask is not going to protect you from a virus that spreads through airborne transmission, end quote. So just I want to emphasize, we now understand that. CDC updated their website acknowledging that this was airborne transmission on May 7th, 2020. May 7th. So rough math would tell me almost eight months ago. Eight months later, we now understand this. And here's the reality. On May 7th, you and I talked about it, or the following Monday, which would have been the 11th maybe, you and I discussed it and said, this is so overdue, it's unbelievable. I don't know how they denied it for this long that this was aerosolized and airborne transmission and not droplet spread. Like, the data was so overwhelmingly obvious even then, and we got called all kinds of names and armchair epidemiologists and science deniers and idiots, conspiracy theorists. Like, no, I'm telling you, look at it. The data is very crystal clear. It's obviously aerosolized transmission. There's no way this is all by droplet. That's insanity. Yeah. And then here we are. Finally in May, they acknowledge it. And then our big point was, with aerosolized transmission, there is no point in wearing a mask. It's not going to do a thing. This has been, they've acknowledged it. If you ever listen to Fauci early on talk about masks, it was all about it'll reduce droplets. It'll reduce droplets. It does not stop aerosolized transmission. It never did. And here's the thing. Then they acknowledged it was aerosolized, and you and I were like, finally, the mask can end. Nope. Oh, just kidding, because now we're pretending that masks. Look right past it. And listen, I can't take this argument one more time, because I already had somebody comment on something I posted on Facebook about this, and I I can't take the, the complete lack of logic that this entails. When I say the filtration specifications on masks are such that an aerosolized particle is too small and will pass right through a mask, okay? Now, does that mean that some of them will happen to hit the side and get knocked down? Sure. But overall, it's going to pass right through your mask and you're going to breathe it in. And your counterargument is, It's not meant to protect you. It'll stop transmission. So I just want to understand this because I want to make sure I'm getting it. So when I'm breathing in, these tiny, tiny little particles will pass right through the filters on the mask because the filters are too big and the particle is too small. But when I breathe out, somehow the aerosolized particle that is the exact same size on the way out miraculously does get stopped by the filters that are too big. I think you nailed it. Do you hear yourselves? Do you, like, you have to explain your position to your children one day on how you were on board with this. And I don't know how in the world you're going to say with a straight face that you honestly believed that you understood the mask didn't work on the way in, but somehow on the way out, do they have different filters? Like, and, and listen, this, listen, this has been the, the one thing that I have clung to from the beginning. It's like, if, you, if the people can't even see that masks are irrelevant to the, anything, then they've, they, they, they can't see it. Like, they won't see it. it. It's right in front of them, and they can't see it. Like, it's right there. And they, they don't want to see they it. They won't see it. No, it's like a cult at this point. It's like the more disproven it gets, the more adamant the belief gets yeah, that they're right. for sure. Right. I, I mean, I, the mass thing is definitely a cult. It's, it's, it's a freaking cult. It's crazy. I, it's, it's crazy. And I, I, listen, we didn't even touch on the one which I thought was the, the biggest thing that nobody has really unpacked yet, I don't think, is let's quote, unquote, Dr. Fauci, when talking about school kids, oh god! Important thing: many of the children are hospitalized with COVID as opposed to because of COVID. So we are back to the with slash of COVID conversation that literally we've been having a conversation with. And you can have this conversation not with just kids. How about we do it with the eight hundred twenty thousand deaths? I don't know. 
Maybe. Or how about overall hospitalizations? Yeah. How about any all of the numbers? Right. Here's my I guess this is my overwhelming critique above all else. I'm I'm making conclusions based on the data that I can see and the data that is publicly available. That's all I can do. I like I'm not a scientist. I'm not an epidemiologist. The reason I am automatically skeptical of any study that comes out and says face mask mandates lead to a positive result is because it doesn't make sense on a baseline level. If the filtration system is designed to block something that is three microns and up, and the aerosolized particle is 0.5 microns and below, then it doesn't make sense to me that it would stop, and you would be very surprised if it worked. Possible? Sure. But very unlikely. That would be a big change. That would be something that we would want to study. Well, why is it working? Because that doesn't make sense. It shouldn't work, so let's look into it. So I'm automatically looking at everything with a grain of salt. And then the studies that they generate to show that masks work are such nonsense. Like, every one of them is so easy to poke the holes in and just say, like, look, of course that you showed they work because you set out to prove they worked. You're not trying to find out if. You set out to prove it. And what you did is you manipulated your interpretation of the data, which is something Big Pharma, very well known for. And the scientists they fund, very well known for. Long track record. And the government that's supposed to oversee and regulate them, long track record of just blindly going along with it. And, oh, and it's peer-reviewed, and that's why we have it. Yeah, that Sturgis Fear study that was completely falsified on hydroxychloroquine using entirely made-up data. No real data whatsoever. Peer-reviewed, published in one of the premier medical journals. So forgive me if I don't give peer review the automatic stamp of approval of, well, obviously it's true then. It's okay to still be skeptical. So back to my point. Sorry, I got carried away there. It does not make sense to me that a year into this, or two years into this, we don't have better data. We're still not getting data as specific and as good as we could have. We don't know how many people actually died of COVID, and we don't know how many people actually just died with COVID, but had something else as the primary cause of death. I'm not even talking about the person that was already very sick and this killed them two months earlier. Count that. That's fine. There are people that just have a positive PCR test and died of something else that are being counted in that count. Why have we not sparsed that out yet? Why don't yeah. we know that actual I mean, that, number? That, that number it should literally just be cut off the top. I mean, I, we should know that number right. easily. I mean, I'm all for making it a generous count. Fine. But what we're doing right now, just it's inaccurate. It's yeah. not real. The other thing, why are we not disclosing the PCR level or the, the cycle thresholds and PCR tests? There's no reason not to. We should know that. Like, this should be something that we should know because if we're not doing that and all we're tracking is cases and they're still running them to 40 cycles, that's bad data. Now, it's even worse data that you're doing unvaccinated people to 40 cycles and vaccinated people to 28 cycles, which they're doing. That's not good data. I'm sorry. It's just not good information. And like the studies on kids wearing masks, I, I have a hard time believing a trained, educated epidemiologist or scientist can read a scientific study that says in the disclosures, we did not test the efficacy of any individual measure. We have no way of knowing if mass actually played a role and then cite that study and say, we know that mass work at schools. I, I don't understand how that's not good data. Like uh, the same thing with VAERS on the vaccine side of things, v the um, vaccine adverse event recording system. I agree. It's terrible data. What? Yeah, I'm not even sure this. I've been seeing some people like McCullough made some points on the, during the, the various discussion on Rogan's point where he was basically saying, hey, um, if anything, it's underreported. 
Yeah, well, he was saying he's it's, like, it's not it's not it's hard to report. It's right. like you have to, you know, and, you know, you have penalty of, you know, there's a penalty for false reporting there, too, as well. And most of those reporting are done by medical professionals still. Here's where I'm going to disagree with. I shouldn't say disagree where I'm skeptical. That was that study was done years ago, not during COVID. So I'd be curious to know how much more of this now is doctor versus individual reporting. I think that's relevant data. That also, we should have. So. I'm not saying he's wrong, and I do think it's more likely underreported adverse rev- events than overreported. I think that's based on what I'm seeing and based on the data out of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, where you can look at how many people actually had adverse reactions versus how many were reported to theirs and see that, at least with the older folks who are on Medicare, it is grossly underreported how many people reported their adverse events. But I don't know. Maybe it's different as you get younger. That's not that's neither here nor there. My point is... How do we not have better data than this? Right, yeah. How do we not have a better system? Like, we spent how much untold money at the federal, state, and county level contact tracing every person who potentially came into contact with anybody having even asymptomatic exposure, asympto- Jesus, who had exposure to an asymptomatic person who tested positive at 40 cycles. We have the entire infrastructure laid out to do that. How difficult would it have been to transition that over to call every person who got a vaccine a week later and say, how you feeling? Do you have any of these symptoms that we know are tied? There's at least a chance of. Do you have high blood pressure? Do you have restless leg syndrome? Are you experiencing any chest pain? Are you experiencing any of this? All the way through. And then anything else that you're noticing. Because if the interest is really public health, wouldn't we want to know that information right away? Because the reality is we don't have long-term safety data. We, they did compromise the entire trial by vaccinating the control group, so we have no comparison even. So if you tell me, like, well, theirs is unreliable, I agree. Why don't we have a better one? Well, it'd be impossible. No, it wouldn't. We already had everything laid out via contact tracing. The problem is we only wanted to find out negatives with the vaccine or with the illness. We didn't want to find any of the adverse effects of the vaccines. Our, for some reason, our public health officials, this is just my conclusion that i'm drawing and i am open to the prospect that i'm wrong because they don't want to know what's going wrong with the vaccine and they don't want to know why this virus is good luck <laughs> virus good luck why there's some things to be optimistic about with the with the virus why it's not as deadly as they originally thought why it's not an equal threat to all people why you should be treating people differently if they are five foot two three fifty versus a professional football player why it's a very different risk so we don't have good data upon which to make public policy and the people in charge of public policy are the ones feeding us the bad data. So I don't know if speaking of the data, did you see, I, I thought I sent this to you. Maybe I didn't where the CDC was sued for uh, withholding post licensure V safe data on COVID vaccines. No. All right. I'll send you this after the show. Good. Um, a, uh, a doctor basically sued the CDC because they have been keeping track of some data that hasn't been made public. And listen, again, I'm not telling anybody give vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. Everybody go make your own decisions. I'm not here to advise anybody on a medical situation. But there's a few things that are just egregious. Not disclosing cycle thresholds on tests is egregious. Counting every person in a hospital as a COVID case just because of a positive test is egregious and there's no reason for it. Same with kids. Having kids wear masks and socially distance at school is egregious, especially elementary schools. There's no reason. And not tracking adverse effects from vaccines is an inexcusable failure of public health. Inexcusable. There is no reason for it. And 
using falsified data to stop people from using early treatment remedies that while there are questions about efficacy, there is no question about safety whatsoever. They all have long track records and nobody is dying of these, statistically speaking. What are we doing? You tell me that this is legitimately, and listen, the fact that we've acknowledged aerosolized transmission since May 7th and our public health officials are still trying to spin it as, well, it's predominantly droplet. Egregious. You're telling me that it's more likely that you're going to catch COVID by somebody having a large droplet that goes about five to seven feet in the air and then falls to the ground is more likely than somebody breathing out with millions of particles that spread in the air and hang there for hours on end and are too small for any known mask that we have to block. You're telling me it's more likely that the droplet transmission is infecting more people than the aerosolized? Come on. You guys, be smarter than this. Like, this is what I mean. Look, I, and I'm not even opposed to wearing masks. If, this would have been very simple. If you are sick, if you have symptoms, stay home. If you absolutely cannot stay home and you have to be within even the general vicinity of somebody, put a mask on. By all means, it makes sense then. But they won't acknowledge asymptomatic spread is less than 1% of all cases and well below. And asymptomatic spread actually has never been established. Pre-symptomatic spread is less than 1% of all cases. Like, why don't more people know this? Why do we keep acting like this is a big risk to kids? They need to tune in. Authorizing the EUA for, for children 5 to 12 is unbelievably public health malfeasance. Like, this is unbelievable that they would do that. And here's how you know it's nonsense. Because they just announced today they're going to approve boosters for the kids 12 to 15. You want to know what happened in the safety trial with kids getting boosters at 12 to 15? Nothing, because they didn't run one. They're just saying go go for it. FDA is. I'm sorry. They haven't actually approved that CDC still has to approve it after they consult their panel of experts, which, by the way, they never did about boosters for kids 16 to 18. So I, I have my doubts. That aside, along with that, FDA is also recommending and approving for emergency youth booster shots for kids 5 to 11 with significant comorbidities or health issues. Here's my critique and my question for public health officials. Why wouldn't you have approved the vaccine under the same guise? Kids 5 to 12 with significant health issues are now eligible to get the COVID-19 vaccine. But instead, they went all kids 5 to 12. And people couldn't wait to rush out and get their kids vaccinated. And I get it. They're afraid. But it's only about 18% of kids that have been vaccinated across the country because people have doubts. And at some point, you have to. Because even under the most... I don't even know how to say it. Even under the most generous circumstances, the vaccine's good for six months. That's it. And it's really not even that long. But I'm being very generous. And then after six months, you might as well not have taken it because it's gone. So then you got to get a booster shot. Okay, cool. Well, it's just like a flu shot. You don't know that. You have no idea how your body's going to respond to this. You have no idea what is going to happen to the human body when you just keep flooding it with spike protein. Every six months. And they offer for five months for kids. They want to authorize a shorter time between the vaccination and booster shots for kids. They're authorizing it at five months. It's just irresponsible. I'm not even telling you it's going to end badly. It's just an unnecessary risk because we don't know how it's going to end. We do know that the shorter time frame between vaccine and boosters tend to lead to more adverse reactions. Did you ever hear Anthony Fauci talk about that? No, that'd be, that'd be crazy talk, but it's true. Now, does that mean every person who takes it is going to get an adverse reaction? Of course not. Most people probably aren't, but some are. And you, just, you have to tell these people this. You can't tell people that this is completely safe for every person. It's not. You have to stop telling people that myocarditis is a mild issue because we don't know. 
Typically, myocarditis is exceedingly bad, but it doesn't hit people right away. It's bad down the road. It leads to congestive heart failure. It leads to very large problems for people. Getting myocarditis at 16, if you get a serious case of it, not even like dead, but if you get myocarditis at 16 and you're like bad enough to be hospitalized, which a lot of kids are, the treatment is six months of absolutely no activity, no stressful, acti- no strenuous activity for six months for a, for a 17-year-old kid, all to prevent a virus that posed a statistical risk of zero. Like, this is what people don't grasp is there is no safe route. There is no dangerous route. Everything is a question of comparative risk. You're trying to use these vaccines to cure a disease that poses zero threat to these kids, statistically speaking. If your kid has significant health issues, I'm in. Then it's probably worth it. Go for it. But for the vast majority of kids walking around, and I don't even, listen, you got to be severely obese. you got to have severe respiratory problems. you got to have cancer, like something significant as a health problem in order for this to make any sense in my humble opinion. Outside of that, there is no way to justify this. And the fact that they that the CDC or FDA recommended initially all kids 5 to 12 EUA vaccine, but on the boosters are going for, well, just those with comorbidities. They could have done it with just the kids with comorbidities from the beginning, and it would have made a much more logical, science, data-based approach to this pandemic. And instead, all they're doing is shilling for these companies. All they're doing is going out and selling vaccines for Pfizer, Moderna, and to a lesser extent, J&J, I just don't know why. Like, I hope it's just the regular levels of incompetence and corruption, but I don't know. I mean, they're talking about they shut down J&J because six people out of a million got blood clots, but you let Pfizer and Moderna run despite all the blood clots and hypertension and deaths that are occurring? We're not, we're not a little curious? We're not at least telling people, hey... If you're in reasonably good health and vitamin D levels are efficient and you're taking proper vitamins, minerals, nutrients, and taking care of yourself, you may want to hold off because we need to do more data. We got to get more data on this. But if you want to take it, go nuts because you're an adult and you live in a free country. Do whatever you want. Well, you're talking about how it's not being discussed, but I think uh, uh, one of our fights that we talk about on here is how the media is so bad. And I feel like Joe Rogan is almost single-handedly trying to take on the mainstream media, or at least the mainstream COVID media, right? So he's had uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone on the show within the last couple of weeks here. Both of those have then been removed from YouTube, and Robert Malone is now banned on Twitter. Um, but I feel like his reach is so big that if they haven't, I mean, listen, I think most people who listen to Joe Rogan are probably a little bit more free thinking than people who who uh, are religious to CNN, for example. Or Fox News. Or any of them, right, any of them. So they're probably a little bit more open to the idea that there's uh, an alternative uh, position to be had or at least discussed because that's kind of what Joe Rogan does. So maybe they were aware of this, but I feel like the attention that those two episodes have got and the what the attention that the removal of those uh, videos has got is that there's cracks all over this narrative, right? And so we were talking about how this thing is in free fall, and I think Joe Rogan has basically sees that nothing makes sense, and so I'm just going to keep asking as many questions to as many qualified people as possible, and and hopefully it all breaks down around it. I think it's starting to break down, and we pointed out a bunch of things there, but... Listen, Joe Rogan is not taking on CNN. Joe Rogan is curb stomping sure. CNN. I mean, the ratings question isn't even close, and th- th- like this is what's wild about it. Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, OAN, all of these channels, 
these are all passive. Like you could just flip them on and you're going to catch them and watch them because they're there. To go to Joe Rogan's podcast is a conscious decision to go into your phone, into your computer, open the app, search them out, bring it up, and turn it on. It's nothing passive about it. You're going and finding it when it comes out. And he's still destroying them in viewers because a lot of people are, re- are waking up and more and more people every day are realizing all of these legacy media companies are propaganda networks. That's all they are. And so if you want to find out, like, hey, you don't need to protect me from disinformation. You don't need to protect me from bad information. You don't need to protect me from getting another person's point of view that I might find offensive. As it turns out, I, as an adult, free thinking, and allegedly living free in this country, would rather be exposed to it, and I can make my decision based on differing opinions. I can listen to what I consider good, valid opinions, and I can listen to what I consider bad and discern out why and which one I believe and why. And the idea that half the country needs to protect the other half because they're just too stupid to understand the difference is the height of arrogance. All right. Well, let's turn our attention to another media fumble. Um, Ghislaine Maxwell was found guilty, Mr. Hughesong. Um Shocking. Actually, it is kind of surprising. I mean... I. You know, not that I thought the verdict was a clear-cut formality, I guess, because there was enough questions about the prosecution and the case that they put forward and how they cut it short and didn't really do much of uh, other than just bring the victims out, which obviously is the most compelling part, and she's found guilty. So I do find that uh, very anticlimactic in a sense that they sealed all the basically the the case, right? So there's nothing coming out from the case right. th- that that you're ever going to see. It's permanently sealed. Um, the during the trial, you could see that uh, evidence was being presented to the jury, but not the public. So jury had their own binders, and everybody else, the public binders were all redacted of certain things. So I think that's why she was found guilty because the jury actually saw the evidence. The public didn't see the evidence, and that's the anticlimactic part because. This was supposed to be more than about Ghislaine Maxwell. This was a a network of the most powerful and influential people on this planet, as you used the term, diddling kids. And I think most people are under the impression that they were being blackmailed because of it. And so my question still remains, to what end was this blackmail being, you know, what was being accomplished with this blackmail? It's literally endless you could go anywhere with it. I mean, it's anything could have been done with the people who were, who were compromised by the associations with Epstein and Maxwell here, but we're not going to know any of that, or at least we're not going to know any of it right now. Um, there is still a civil lawsuit from Virginia Jeffrey, uh, who wasn't even, you know, her name was brought up, but was not called as a witness in this, uh, trial. Uh, she has a civil case pending in the United States against Prince Andrew. um, who knows if that will, uh, you know, manifest into more information about other alleged uh, 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 criminals? Uh, but we also didn't get any of the co-conspirators, right? So any of these people, these girls, these ladies who were recruiting these kids on top of Ghislaine Maxwell, they were contributing to their harm as well, and they are also still walking around, flying around, doing things that they probably should otherwise not be doing. Um, I feel most, 
I want to say you should feel good that she's guilty and probably goes away for what I think they said up to 65 years. Who knows? Obviously she's not going to live 65 years, but I don't feel like the victims have been, I don't think there's justice for the victims here with this verdict. I don't think there ever can be. No, I think that's a simple reality, but I think the more exposure, I mean, these people are literally still walking around, right? You know, the Glenn Dubins of the world, the, Whatever's the, the Prince Andrews. I Bill mean, Clintons. the Bill Clintons. I mean, these people Donald are Trump's. Donald Trump, right? These. I mean, we found out that you know Trump's been on the plane six more times than he had originally uh, said. Um, All right, I feel like I have to say this every time. In Trump's defense, he was the only person that actually cooperated with the investigation in Florida. So, sure. to his credit, yes. This, I mean, this, this, that this would definitely stuff. maintain his level of uh, you know, or the mo of a um, or what do they call it? Uh, uh, He's uh, opposition, but he's uh, controlled opposition, Donald Trump. I mean, listen, I so also, if you're controlled opposition, I don't think wouldn't Donald you, Trump's playing 4D chess. Wouldn't you come out and be like, yeah, I, I can do that. I can. He, he Literally, if he did something wrong even, he probably thought he was so smart that he could just talk to the cop out of the situation. Well, also, let's be very, very clear. He hates Jeffrey, or hated Jeffrey yes. Epstein. Yeah. Like, they had a falling out at some point, yeah. and they despised each other. And it was kind of funny because they just went, it was so petty. It, it almost has to be, it almost, ha- because it's so, seemingly such a deep hatred that there had to be an affection there before. At some point, right? yes. You don't hate a stranger right, that much. Right. There was at least some, listen, here's, like, you want how petty it got? Mar-a-Lago. They had a flagpole that was technically too high under the town ordinance. Jeffrey Epstein filed a complaint with the town to make them remove the flagpole. Donald Trump found out it was Jeffrey Epstein that did it. He raised the ground. He brought in dozers and dirt and raised the grass, lowered the foot, lowered the flagpole to the proper height, but raised the ground so high it was one foot higher than the old flagpole. Like, that's the level of pettiness these two had with each other. Yeah, and so <clears throat> I know we talked a lot about, and I have talked about a lot about Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell for years now. Um, I don't know where it goes from here because... I mean, I'm assuming there's a sentencing and, you know, we get one more media run there. But, like, if these other co-conspirators and these uh, uh, these men who are out there who were basically causing unspeakable harm to kids are still walking around, then, then it's all for nothing. So Here's how you know how bad it is. That the two people allegedly at the lead of this pedophile ring... One was murdered in prison. I'm sorry, committed suicide in prison when two prison guards fell asleep. Two cameras. Did you see that that case got dropped for the two guards? Yeah. Did you hear the guy in charge got promoted and sent to another federal facility? Obviously, because that's what you do in something. When a high-profile case like that goes terribly wrong, generally the government promotes you. Actually, that's probably true. Anyways, one of them was suicided in a prison where two cameras simultaneously stopped working, two guards simultaneously fell asleep and failed to do a check-in on a prisoner that was already on suicide watch. And literally, like, the number one prisoner in the world. Sure. And on top of this, when this gentleman was initially arrested for 237 counts of soliciting a minor for prostitution or sexual activity, got weekends in jail, of which he spent almost none of them actually in the jail and was allowed to go jet-setting around the world with no ramifications. Cool. Then we had a labor secretary appointee under Trump who said on the record, I was to- who gave that sweetheart weekends only deal to that man who said, I was told Epstein is intelligence and was untouchable. And everybody just went, okay. 
And now here's how you really know how bad it is. They get Maxwell. They get the allegedly number two, possibly number one person involved in this ring. Have an actual public trial where not one name comes out that we didn't already know. Yeah. Not one person will allege anybody else. Like, we know for a fact these people ran a pedophile sex ring that was geared towards entrapping powerful, wealthy, influential people having intercourse relations of some type with minors. And we can't get a single media company to go and dig in and find it. Like, we can't get the government to investigate to find out. Well, they're in on it. I mean, that's, right, this so is all the problem. The, the FBI that's is how basically, bad it is. yeah, the FBI has basically run cover for this pedophile ring for over a decade. Right. And They've known all this for a decade. You know, we, we didn't, I don't think we had a show when we talked about how the search warrant for the FBI for Epstein's Manhattan apartment. So basically they went in. If you guys haven't seen this, you can go in. They <clears throat> had a, a warrant. They go in there. They find videotapes, uh, CDs of, you know, of videos and pictures and hard passports drives. and hard drives. And because the warrant wasn't worded properly enough, they couldn't take that stuff with them. They had to leave it. Wait, wait. Where did they leave it? On top of the safe. Obviously. <laughs> so when, so then they went back and got a, a corrected warrant. When they went back, the, the, all those hard drives and videos were gone. Shocker. They testified to this under oath with a straight face. They're like, yeah, just, you know, bad luck. Yeah, we had a bad warrant. I mean, come on. I, at some point. I mean, the FBI is beyond. I mean, it needs to be blown up. Careful, you're going to get arrested. All right, Mr. Hughesong, I feel like we've uh, done a good job here uh, dipping our toe back into season three here, episode 79. I agree. Um, if you haven't already liked the video and share the video, please do so. That helps us with the algorithm. This one's definitely going to get uh, suppressed because we're talking about all the key You're button. welcome. Yeah. Um, so uh, subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell if you want to uh, be notified when we go live, which we do every Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern. For all you folks uh, out there on the audio podcast, please hit uh, a rate and review. Five stars if uh, you think we're worth it. And on that note, Mr. Houston, would you like to leave the folks with any uh, words of wisdom? Be nice. Be nice. That's an excellent one. Thanks. New Year's resolution. Be nice. Good all luck. Right. Yeah. All right. On that note, we'll see you all uh, next Monday, and thank you for tuning in.